Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! I don't know if you know who Bill Hybels is. If you, if you are churched and you're in the church world, uh, you probably do. Bill Hybels is the lead minister at Willow Creek Community Church outside of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, he has over 20,000 members at his church. Just a wonderful, wonderful man of God, a great, great preacher. Um, I want to read you something that he wrote. He said, when he gets home every night from work, he checks the mail. And he takes that stack of mail and he immediately walks over to the trash can and he begins to throw the junk mail, his junk mail, into the trash can. Kind of sorting what's important and what's not important. He said one particular day he received one of those flyers that said, have you seen these kids? And they were missing kids. Have you seen us? And he kind of nonchalantly threw that away in the wastebasket with, two, with a picture of two kids staring straight up at him. He, he wrote, suddenly I, I thought, you just threw away those kids. H- how could you do that in such a cavalier fashion? Well, then he thought to himself, well, they're not my kids. I'm not responsible for them, so it's okay to, to, to pitch it in the trash can. He said, then immediately God spoke to him. He had the second thought that entered his mind, which was, good grief, Bill. If, if they were your kids, you'd be passing these things out by the fistful. You'd be looking and searching for them day and night. And he said, then it hit him. The world is full of lost kids, lost teenagers, lost adults. And they will be lost for an eternity if we don't share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. If no one finds them and tells them, they're just going to remain lost. We're beginning a brand new series today entitled Extravagant Love. And we're going to spend a good bit of time, either four to six weeks, kind of walking through the parable of the lost son. Now, we refer to it as the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is a story of extravagant love. It's a picture of a young man who becomes restless and then reckless with his life. He tries to find himself, and in the process of trying to find himself, he actually loses himself as he isolates himself from his father. In this unique story, we're going to find lessons on freedom, on failure, and on forgiveness. We're going to learn that we too were lost sons and daughters, that all of us have lived restless and reckless lives, but we too have a heavenly Father seeking us, watching for us, waiting for us so he can run to us, throw his arms around us, give us a kiss, and welcome us home with his extravagant love. So Luke chapter 15 is going to be the text that we're going to be in today. But before we get to the text, let me set the scene uh, so we know what's going on here. 
Obviously, Jesus, Jesus is moving from village to village, from town to town, from city to city, and he's preaching and he's teaching and he's healing and he's performing miracles. But he has two groups at this point in the narrative. He's got two groups of people following him. Group number one is a group of very, very bad men and women. They're known in the New Testament as sinners and tax collectors. These are who we would refer to today as the dregs of society. This is the worst of the worst. These people are as far from God as, as, as you can be. They're lost. Their souls are wandering and empty. They're absolutely broken. The second group of people that are following Jesus around are way different than these, these tax collectors and sinners. They are the Pharisees and the scribes. They are the religious elite. They're very smart, upper class, wealthy people. However, they too are lost. These men had the knowledge of the Old Testament law and a desire for personal purity, yet they had no love, none. For lost people and lost souls. They believed in salvation by segregation. Salvation's only for the Jews and it's only for the good Jews. If you're a sinner, you're not a good Jew and we can't even associate with you because if we come close to you, your sin might rub off on us. And so they are just as lost as the tax collectors and the sinners. All right, with that in the background, let's go. Luke 15, verse 1 and 2. It says this. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to hear him. They're drawing near to hear Jesus. Look, how, look who else is also there. And the Pharisees and the scribes are there. And they're doing what they always do. Chronic grumbling and complaining. And here's what they're saying. This man receives sinners and eats with them. If you're old like me and you remember Saturday Night Live, the church lady, that skit, they probably said that in that, in that voice. I mean, this was, there was absolute despair towards these people. These people, this man is receiving. In other words, he's sitting down, he's dining, he's rubbing elbows, he's not socially distanced from these sinners. He's having dinner with them, he's having conversation with them, and this surprises them. Now the tax collectors and the sinners are there to hear Jesus teach, but the Pharisees were there to cause trouble. And that phrase, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, when I read that, I just want to explode. Because I want to say, of course he does. That's the whole point of the gospel. These are lost people that need to be found. That is the single mission of Jesus Christ when he came to this earth. To find what was lost and to redeem it. He said as much in Luke chapter 19 verse 10. When he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Back in Luke chapter 5, he said this, verse 31, Jesus answered them, those who are well, they don't need a physician, but it's those who are sick. And so Jesus knows his audience. He is speaking to a group of lost people 
And he's going to speak to this group of lost people about lost things. So in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells these three stories about these three lost things. A single lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And it's in Luke chapter 15 that we really get to peer in and see the motivation that Jesus has for lost people. How he would leave the 99 for one. How he would turn the house upside down looking for the lost coin. How he would stand and wait for the prodigal to come home. When you study Jesus and you read about Jesus, you, we realize that Jesus always had kind of this uncanny ability to see people that everybody else overlooked. I mean, it's all throughout Scripture, right? And in the book of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is actually ministering, talking, teaching, healing, touching lepers. Okay, now you want to talk about social distancing? We keep six feet apart, but lepers, you didn't even go 600 yards around lepers. You, they, were, they were outcast, but Jesus didn't overlook them. There he is in Matthew chapter 8 ministering to them. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is preaching, and I guess they'd had enough in the nursery and in, in, in their kids' program, so they just let the kids come in, and they all come running up to Jesus. And you remember what the apostles said? We're trying to have church. Get them kids out of here. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. no. Bring them here. Bring them to me. In fact, if you truly want to be saved, you need to be like one of these, these kids that you're overlooking. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is in a crowd. He is just being pressed on. People are pulling and grabbing at him. And all of a sudden, this lady who has internal bleeding just touches his garment, just touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus says, stop, who touched me? And the apostles are like, are you crazy? Like, everybody's been touching you, pulling on you, prodding you. He's like, no, 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 something different happened. And Jesus stopped and healed this woman that everybody else overlooked. In John chapter 4, Jesus says, we're taking a trip, and we're not going to take the long way around Samaria. We're going to go right through this country that all of you Jewish people hate, because I've got to stop at this well, because there's this woman who has been overlooked by man after man after man. She has been mistreated. She has been abused. Society has overlooked her, but I will not overlook her. I will seek her. And then in Luke 19, you got this little guy named Zacchaeus. He's up in his treehouse, just trying to be inconspicuous. Everyone else overlooks him, but Jesus goes specifically to the bottom of that tree and says, Hey, come on out of that treehouse. Come on down. Salvation has come to your house today. Jesus always seeks the overlooked, He seeks to find the lost and the broken. He keeps company with sinners because he wants sinners to be found and rejoice when they find salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he begins to tell his audience these three stories. The story about the lost sheep was a story specifically to touch the hearts of the men and the boys in that audience. The story of the lost coin would speak to the women and the little girls in that audience. 
And then the story of the lost son would speak to everyone who feels separated and distanced from God the Father. Jesus is seeking to reach everybody's heart. And so what we want to do real quickly, you know how I preach. We're preaching on the prodigal son. We're not even going to get to the prodigal son today. All right, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at those first two stories that Jesus tells real quickly, the lost sheep and the lost coin. And what this will do is this will set us up very nicely next week to dive into the prodigal son uh, and really examine what's going on. But in all three of these stories, the sheep, the coin, and the son, they can be summarized with three words, lost, found, rejoice. I'm going to just say it again, just to be dramatic. Lost, found, rejoice. So let's look at the first story, the lost sheep. We see it in verse 3. So he, Jesus, told this parable. Now don't miss this part, especially if you're a man in here. What man of you? Okay, he's not talking to the women. He's talking to the men. Women weren't shepherds back then. So he's talking specifically to the men. So it would be like me saying, all right, men, listen up. I'm going to give you some illustration that a man could understand. This is what he's doing. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, saying to them, okay, so look, something's lost, it's found, and then look what happens. There's rejoicing. He says to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I love verse 7. Just so I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over how many? One. One sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. You see, we begin to see that finding what is lost is priority number one for Jesus. That he is the good shepherd and we are the sheep. About two years ago, my family and I uh, purchased, we did, yeah, we did purchase, we purchased a new puppy. Uh, his name was Gunner. Uh, he, he is a remarkable little dog. He is, he, I love him, first of all, because he's not a cat. You know how I feel about cats. But he is just a remarkable little dog. Um, we got him from a police officer who couldn't, couldn't really take care of him. Okay, and so when we got Gunner as, as a, a puppy, he uh, immediately kind of attached himself to my oldest son, Jalen. Okay, and so kind of where Jalen would go, Gunner would go. And when Jalen would take a nap, Gunner would take a nap. Jalen shares a room, shares his bed with this dog. He loves this dog. So over the past two years, they have kind of grown up together. All right? Just a, just a wonderful dog. And, and, and I love the love that my son has for that dog. It's awesome. Well, I came home from work one day. And this isn't uncommon, but there was like 20 people in my yard. It was our kids, the neighbor's kids, and they're just, it seemed to be a, a little more chaos than normal at my house. There's always chaos. And, and so I get out of the truck, and, and uh, I, I don't know which one of the kids came up to me and said, hey, Gunner got out, all right? And he did what a dog does when they get out. Boom, just 
He's, not, he's just a dumb dog, right? And so he took off. And so everybody was searching for this dog. Well, then my son came out, Jay. And I could just see everyone was in despair, but his despair hurt more. He just loved that little dog. And so we started combing the neighborhood, the neighborhood beside us, the neighborhood behind us, and, and we're on our cell phones. You know, hey, we have a location. We see him, but he won't stop. And, and so this search goes on. And finally, I get a phone call from Jay, and he's like, Daddy, I found him, but I don't know where I am. <laughs> I'm lost, too. And I said, I think I know where you are. I'm going to drive to the back of our subdivision. There's woods behind there. And I just like, Jay! And he's like, yeah! And he heard me. Okay. He comes walking out of those woods. He doesn't have a leash with him, with this dog in his arms. And the look of joy and relief on his face. I mean, I'm not a crier, but literally almost brought tears to my eyes. Because my mind immediately went to Luke 15, where the shepherd is distraught, so much so that he leaves the 99 to find the one. And when he finds the one, he grabs him up in his arms and he brings him home. There is great rejoicing. Verse 7 again, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 who need no repentance. A good shepherd goes after his sheep. And that's what Jesus is doing in the text here. Wayward men and women, we are the lost sheep and he is the shepherd. And I want you to understand something. I was one of those lost sheep for many, many years in my life. It took him years to seek me. It took, it took years for me to finally listen to his voice. But man, I'm so glad he did. Okay, let's move on to the lost coin. I only, I only got a few minutes left here. Verses 8 through 10. So he's, he's done talking to the men. Now he moves to the women. Look at verse 8. Or what woman, so he's speaking to the women and the young girls in the audience, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, to something lost, something found, when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that was lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over how many? One sinner who repents. I think everybody in here, we've lost something, right? It's incredibly frustrating, especially when you lose it at your house. I'm going to say something that's going to sound sexist. And I realize that everybody in America is offended by something, so you can just send me an email. That's fine. That's fine. I, I can delete it. All right. <laughs> it's going to sound very sexist. I know this. Traditionally, women are better at finding lost things than men. Okay. You're not offended. Good. All right. So in my house, I can lose something. And I can turn the house upside. I can look all over the place and I can't find it. And my, finally, Lindy's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm looking for this. And you know what happens? She can go look for it and magically, there it is. It happens all of the time. 
Well, let me tell you what's going on in the text here real quick, because this will put it into perspective a little bit more. When we get married, men, we propose to a woman, and we put a, a ring on that finger. We put a diamond ring on it, and some diamonds are really small, and some diamonds are really big. Just, so we put a diamond on it. And then we put a wedding band on our wedding day over that ring. And so when you walk around as a woman and you've got that ring, that wedding ring and diamond ring on, people know, hey, she's married. It wasn't the case with women in this time period. Married women didn't wear rings. They wore a necklace across their headdress that had these silver coins that signified that they were married. And to lose one of those coins from the necklace would be embarrassing and reckless to the, to the women. So put yourself, ladies, in modern day time. Imagine you're in your house and, you know, you're doing your thing, whatever you're doing. And then all of a sudden you look down and that diamond is gone. You know it's in the house somewhere, but it's gone. Chances are it means a lot to you because it's from your husband. So you're going to do everything in your power. You're going to turn over, look at every corner, and try to find the diamond. You're going to turn the house upside down looking for it. So the people in this audience, the sinners and the tax collectors, were lost, and nobody was looking for them. They had been written off by the church. Well, we can't mess with us. This, this let them die and go to hell. These were the people who had been written off. Oh, that guy, he's no good, or there's no way you're ever going to be able to help that young lady. There is no hope for them. Don't waste your time on them. But in these parables, Jesus is saying, no. I will turn the house upside down searching for what is lost because that's how much I love that person, including you and I. And so these two parables help us to understand the weight and the depth of trying to find something that we value that's lost. It's kind of easy for us on this side of the New Testament to read these parables and take their message for granted. But again, let me remind you who Jesus is talking to. The sinners and the tax collectors were there. And this had to be a shock because Jesus was telling them for the first time, listen to me, that God actively searches for lost sinners. He actively goes after. He actively follows and pursues them because he loves them. And God's been searching for lost sinners for a really, really long time. Since the beginning of time as we know it. If you've been around here long enough, you know we go to Genesis chapter 3 a lot here. Because that's where everything went wrong for mankind. So in Genesis chapter 3, you remember the story, right? God says, hey, you can eat of anything in the garden, just don't eat of that tree. And Adam and Eve rebelled, they sinned, they ate of that tree. They realized they were naked, they realized they had done something wrong. Do you know what the very next thing is that they did after that? Anybody know? They hid. They hid. They knew they had sinned. They knew they had rebelled. 
They knew, they knew that, and so they hid from God. And from that point in history, Genesis chapter 3, God ceased being God the creator, and he started being God the seeker. Look what happens in verse 8 of Genesis 3. I'm almost done. Verse 8 of Genesis 3. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <laughs> and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. They went in the woods and they hid behind a big oak tree or something. But I love verse 9. But the Lord called to them. He's seeking them. And here's what he said. Where are you? God's omniscient. He knows everything. He knew they sinned. He knew they did something wrong. He knew they were hiding. And he didn't wait for them to come out. He called to them. He's seeking them. Where are you? Because you have these fig leaves on. You're improperly clothed. And I'm about to give you animal skins. I'm about to sacrifice an innocent lamb so that you can be clothed. There's the gospel right there in Genesis chapter 3. But before he clothed them, he seeked them. And there are so many people that are lost. They're hiding from God. And some of you in here are still hiding from God. You're just hiding in plain sight, right? You're playing church, but you're still running from God. You're still hiding from God. You're still not willing to deal with the sin. You're still not willing to take that cross daily and follow him. You're just hiding in plain sight. So many people do that, but God will relentlessly pursue you. God knows all your issues. He knows all your hang-ups. He knows all the evil and the sinful, the most wicked things that cross our minds, the most wicked deeds we've ever done in our lives. But just like Adam and Eve, just like the lost sheep, just like the lost coin, he seeks us because he always seeks what is lost to be restored. And I want you to hear me this morning, especially if you're in here and you feel pretty worthless. You're more valuable than a lamb to God. You are more valuable than a silver coin. You are more valuable than all the currency in the world. God is seeking you. God wants to find us so that he can pour his extravagant love onto us. So when you walked in here, you had these blue bracelets on your seat. I'm a bracelet guy. You know that. I've got one from a couple years ago. And we're always in Luke for some reason. I just noticed that. Every sermon I preach is from Luke. But these bracelets, we're going to use them throughout the duration of this series. Uh, they say extravagant love on one side and Luke 15 on the other side. And each week we're going to kind of ask you to think about, pray about something different with these bracelets. This week, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to throw that thing on, turn it to the extravagant love side. And I want it to be a reminder to you that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you have a heavenly father seeking you with his extravagant love. You may not feel like you're loved, but you are loved beyond human comprehension by a perfect heavenly father. So much so 
that he will continue to prod, seek, and pursue you. And so I want this to be a reminder to us this week. Hey, I am not just loved, but I am extravagantly loved by my heavenly Father. He searches for us because he loves us so much. I want to leave you with Ezekiel 34, 16. And this will set us up nicely as we begin looking at the prodigal son next week. God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel, and I love this verse of Scripture. It's not the easiest verse, but there's a lot of truth to it. Here's what he says, Ezekiel 34, 16. God says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and strong I will destroy. I will lead them with justice. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.